Listen, buddy, if you're looking for the diet frozen yogurt bar, it went out of business last summer. Actually, I'm looking for a Batman number 14. Welcome to the Coffee and Comics Podcast. I am your host, the caffeinated Clinton Robinson. Normally on this show, I bring you a comic review roughly in the span of time it takes to have a nice little coffee break. And normally I do that all alone. But not today, folks. After multiple scheduling snafus, entirely my own fault, I assure you, I am finally able to sit down and have a chat with... Al Sedano. Al, welcome to the show. Thanks, Clinton. I, uh, no, that, that's fine. Besides, the last scheduling one was me. The last pushback <laughs> was me doing it, so. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll go with that. Sure. It was. Yeah, well, you're not the one that overslept one time, but anyway. Sleeping is good. <laughs> I like sleep. Hear that, folks? He's trying to be in the running for nicest guy in podcasting next to Darren Sutherland. I don't know if that's possible. All righty. So, Al and I are here today to discuss DC Retroactive The Flash, the 80s, number one. Yeah, come up with a more convoluted title, please. So, just a little bit of uh, backstory on all of this before we dive in. Uh, DC Retroactive was basically a really good creative gimmick DC came up with right before they shifted over to the new film. That uh, they went back and republished some of the stories from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, while also coming up with new stories set in those periods, in those same styles, sometimes with the... uh, big uh, headlining creators of that era. Yep, which is a cool idea. Yeah, I really liked it. Um, let's see, they had Superman, Batman, The Flash, Green Lantern, and the Justice League. Yeah, and Wonder Woman. And the Justice League. Of course, you yeah, gotta have the Justice League. Yeah, it's kind of along the lines of like when Claremont did that X-Men Forever, except instead of doing an ongoing, it was just like a one-shot. Yep. Oh, and... yeah, the, the current X-Men Legends series. Yeah, exactly. Stuff like that. I mean, really, when you think about it, those were the only ones that actually had um, consistent publishing straight through from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Well, I mean, they could have done the Legion. I said consistent publishing, Al. The Legion was consistently published up until, (laughs) like, 2010 or 11. That's true. I mean... They could have gotten, you know, LaRoque again and uh, Paul Levitz to do a Legion issue for the 80s. Maybe that was it. They they were a little afraid, you know, the Legion issues wouldn't sell or... I don't know. 
Huh. Now you've got me wondering why they didn't. Dang it, Al! <laughs> well, I mean, some of these, yes, you, I understand why they do, but like some of them, it's, it's more nostalgia anyway, because like, think about it. Was Wonder Woman in the late 70s or Superman in like the early 80s really that big a seller? Because if it was, isn't that kind of, or Batman? I mean, wasn't Batman, what, didn't one of the Batman books almost get canceled multiple times <laughs> in the 70s and 80s? Well, considering the the Batman um, Batman retroactive for the eighties was a tie, yet another tie in to year two. Well, well, yeah, post crisis. Yeah, I'm talking about the pre crisis stuff. Yeah, because yeah, I'm reading. Sorry, everything, everything that they did eighties was uh, post crisis focused. Yeah, because I'm reading that um, comic book implosion book from Tomorrow's, which is about the DC implosion, and Literally, if it wasn't for the fact of one or two people arguing because that's where the name of the company comes from, DC, Detective Comics was on the chopping block. How, you know, it's kind of like nostalgia a bit, but it's like, how were they really doing that well? Like, I'm surprised there also wasn't a Titans one. Wasn't that their number one book in the 80s? (laughs) Now, see, that would have been a good one to get because... You know, Titans seventies, they would have been costumeless. Titans eighties would have been probably a t- another tie-in for Judas Contract, but still. And Titans nineties would have been part fifty-five of um, Titans Hunt. Yeah, that's what I was like. It would have just been Will to Be Society everywhere. <laughs> Or the explan- or another chapter, an extra chapter with of Team Titans in uh, Total Chaos. I won't say much. I, I, I... <laughs> hey, Team Titans had Phil Hemmings art. It was nice. Or you could have like gone, you know, with the Dan Jurgens Titans. True. I like that book. It. I didn't like it at the time. I like it better now. People have been reading it going, why is this guy, why does Risk have two arms? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. (laughs) That was worth it. That was worth going down that rabbit hole just for that. You're welcome. Hero Weeks, folks. Tip your waiter. (laughs) Okay, so our super convoluted title of DC Retroactive The Flash The 80s Number 1, because it gets more fun every time you say it, folks. It does. Uh, it came out with an October 2011 cover date, like all of these did, because we all know what happened in September of 2011, the, new, the aforementioned New 52, which I think had like a December cover date probably at that point. But this uh, was published, released, whatever, hit newsstands. Were there new? There weren't newsstands. Hit the comic shelves yeah. on August 3rd of 2011 because these were all released weekly. You'd get the 70s one week, you'd get the 80s the next week, the 90s the week after. You you know what I'm saying. <clears throat> We're all able to do math here, aren't we? I was promised there would be no math. So, this story is titled The Path of True Love. And by golly, 
Don't we all need some love? Writer was William Mesner Loeb's Pencils and Inks by Greg LaRock. Colors by Kevin Colden with help from Matthew Pitts. And letters by Desi Slinty. So just diving right in, Alexis Cooper is obsessed with The Flash. She doesn't understand why her boyfriend, Wally West, The Flash, has been ignoring her. She begins to take weapons from the rogues to try to get the Flash's attention. As it turns out, Wally is completely oblivious to their relationship because it's all in Alexis's mind. So, after a series of half-hearted crimes to get Wally's attention, Wally finally scatters flyers around the city to get her attention. They meet up, Wally kisses her, the rogues regain their stolen equipment, and Alexis begins to somewhat realize that Wally has no real affection for her. But things don't end quite so badly. Turns out one of the people who has been assisting Wally has also been sent by the Australian government to recruit a new hero for them. And Alexis seems to fit the bill. A little crazy? Maybe so. But she did single-handedly manage to take on the rogues. And that's saying something indeed. And their first choice was Guy Gardner, so, you know. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, can't you just see Guy Gardner working for the Australian government? (laughs) Tasmanian Devil would have punched him out in five minutes. But yeah, that's pretty much our short little new add-on story here. I'm not looking at the uh, reprint because it's like part three of a however many part story. And I I just want to leave that for the Flash Flash, uh, podcast, whatever that is. I don't think there is one. Well, somebody should get up to speed on that. There are Flash movie, TV podcasts, and I think I saw one that somewhat does the movies, the TV show, and some comics, but there really is no Flash podcast. Well, somebody needs to get one up and running, Al. Come on. I already, I'm busy. Well, I'm out of Flash jokes. Well, that's a reason then to do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm out of Flash jokes. You don't want me to make, up, want me to make more up, do you? No, 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 I'll start it. I'll start the podcast. I'll start it. So, what do we think of this story, Al? I really enjoyed this one. Uh, the funny thing is, it's a Bill Mesner Loeb's Flash, which I've read some of. I'm, I'm currently so for me for Flash, I really, I had a couple random issues from of the Loeb's one, but I really started reading it with uh, Mark Wade's issues. That's the Flash I know. Sorry, what was it? Issue 62, that uh, the, the Wally year one story he did. Mm-hmm. But I've been also recently been doing a uh, read of the original series. So I'm up to like issue like I'm up to invasion right now. And this was good. But the funny thing is, while it's a Bill Loeb's issue, it feels like one of the Wade issues. <laughs> it feels like one of the ones he would do, like when he would introduce like a. Uh, past villains that never existed before, but he's kind of retroactively introduced them in, like Cobalt Blue. 
Yeah, I kind of wondered if I was the only one feeling. So it's kind of funny that's like, while he did it, it kind of feels like a weight issue. Either way, I was very happy because that's like right in my wheelhouse for the Flash. I'm like, perfect. I'm I'm happy to be here. Mm-hmm. This is what I want. Because yeah. also has a costume I more recognize, I'm more used to, which was the you know the more shiny costume. Yeah, there, there's a um, an annual that ties in uh, with Armageddon 2001 that does that with with the oh, villains. Oh yeah, like there's. There's a that villain a that's one. introduced in there that, you know, is hinted that that's going to be the big, you know, big underlier for Wade's run. And he literally never shows up anywhere else in the book ever again. Yeah, but that was still a good annual. Mm-hmm. And you also get the first appearance of Chill Blaine, which is actually like Chill Blaine 3 or 4. That was but, a fun one. But yeah, back to this. God, oh, yeah. yeah, this is fun. I, I feel bad that Alexis is a one-off character. Man, I would really like would like to see her like with the Suicide Squad. Yeah, or wish like somebody would bring her back. Like now, especially now that Wally is headlining the Flashbook again. Yeah, I mean, you could. It wouldn't be the first time somebody's brought back a an incredibly just one-off character and and like fleshed them out into something bigger. Yeah. It's happened thousands of times in comics. So they look back at the history and they go, oh, hey, what about that one? I mean, come on, let's look at one of the more popular examples. Wonder Man from Marvel. <laughs> Introduced in Avengers number nine and dies, and they bring him back in 150. Man, okay, so the, the Greg LaRock art. This is, like, really, really good stuff. Yeah. Which, I mean, you know, it should be goes without saying because it's Greg LaRock, but if you compare it to the Greg LaRock of the the uh, reprint story, it's just kind of like, I, th- I would say he just keeps improving. Yeah, well, hopefully. Otherwise, you know. Yeah, but I mean, you know, like some artists have that one style and they just stick with it for their entire career. And it's like, no, I think LaRock actually... Kind of like decided to beef it up a little bit. Yeah, I'm skimming through right now the pages of the of the backup story, and it's still him. But yeah, you can see his his style has improved. But yeah, no, the art the art was great. I love the rogues in this era where they're still criminals, but I'm know, they're so not glad. all obsessed with killing him. Yeah, I'm so glad you mentioned the rogues, especially the ones that are in this issue, because quite frankly, you know, Golden Glider, I'm there. Oh, Anytime. she's so much. Yeah, because that's the part like you don't really mention for like the, the uh, which makes sense for the uh, the synopsis. But yeah, he kind of teams up with Golden Glider and uh, Piper, although Piper's already a friend of his at this point, to figure out what's going on because the first crime looks like it's done by Captain Cold, but there are well, they're not killed. People are attacked with it, and Golden Glider's like he wouldn't do that. It's stupid code of his. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't him. You know, this is totally showing my hand, but like of all the villain turn hero kind of movements or anti-hero or whatever you want to do why do we not have golden glider like get a four issue mini or something or at the very least team up and like you know guest star in like the uh, harley book or something okay I, I, they would they would definitely be friends yeah they yeah, both, <laughs> both kind of share a kind of crazy 
Exactly. They're both kind of they're both a little nuts, but not in that complete. You know, they're neither one. At least as I'm seeing, you know, from what I remember of her and what I'm seeing here, not so much in the Joker crazy. Just you know, a little off kilter. Yeah. So she would definitely be as like a you know a good a friend of Harley. They would hang out and get in trouble together. Exactly. And then Poison Ivy would have to come rescue them. <laughs> okay. Well, speaking of you know being little wonky in the head. How did you feel about how they portrayed Alexis's little um, mental state? Oh, the her obsession? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't, I'm not a professional, so I can't say anything about that. Obviously, because that's not my field. But, I mean, she was just very single-minded. You know, she wasn't trying to, and she really doesn't get to the point where she actually does kill, she doesn't kill anybody. She just has a little bit, it's a bit of a hero, you know, we see it sometimes, you can just see it online, a little bit of, like, too much involvement. You know, it looks very similar to stuff you'll see on Twitter sometimes. People get way too involved with something that doesn't know you exist. That's a good good way to look at it, yeah. Because it, it all stems from that one time Wally saved her, you know, while he's also was saving, you know, everybody else in the city. Yeah, and to be fair, though, him saving her was very important to her. Because, you know, for all she knew, she was going to die. Yeah. For mm. you, the day M. Bison came to your village was the most important day of your life. For exactly. me, it was Tuesday. Yes. Yeah, when the Hulk destroys someone's house, that's the worst day of their life. That's just, you know, another day for the Avengers to deal with. So, I mean, I could be wrong. I don't think it's a insulting to anyone, who, you know. Like that, but I could be wrong. Well, and it's not like they really played know. it up for laughs, you know. They didn't, you know, nobody turned around and started pointing fingers and saying, oh, look at the girl that thinks the Flash is in love with her. Yeah. Like, like Wally legit feels bad about it. Yeah, they're more, most of them are concerned or just, or in the case of some of the rogues, angry. But I think they're also more angry at the fact that they just got taken down by this <laughs> random nobody, as far as they're concerned, who took them all out. <laughs> the best is I'd talk to Alchemy running around in his underwear. <laughs> yes. She took my stone and turned me to lead. I didn't like being lead. Yeah. <laughs> she said she was your girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the best part. She said? It's like, like, Dr. Alchemy, how are you even... You know, a world-class supervillain. You believe somebody just randomly walking in saying, Hi, I'm the Flash's girlfriend. And they all have their own little secret bases that people can find. Mm. It kind of... This has been said before, I know, about things about the Flash, but it really reminds me again of that Jail Justice League episode. Where you go... It's like it's like the Flash and Orion, I forget who, I think Batman, and they're in Central City and like... He's at the bar talking to the, you know, he's like, you know, have you taken your meds? No, like, go, go take your meds and go turn yourself in. It's like, okay. It, it's like very much that, like, you know, Wally knows where all their bases are. Oh, yeah. I love, love that. Where <laughs> Trickster's just sitting at the bar and it's like, Trickster? Oh, found me again, Flash. It's like, go turn yourself in. Okay. <laughs> Will do. <laughs> 
But it's the same thing here. Like, you know, Wally knows where, you know, the den of elements is and all these other things. They're not secret bases. It's like, yeah. look, as long as you stay out of trouble, have your game, play your games here. That's fine. Play in your clubhouse. Like, where do we find Captain Cold? I don't know. Look for the ice sculptures. He's in the yellow pages. Folks of this era probably would be. Yeah. My favorite is appropriate for the era. It's the 80s. The yellow pages exist. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, this was, you know, public identity era Wally. Yes. Yeah. And I like how they played, speaking of that, with the, since, you know, everyone knows his identity with the first page, where instead of him saying, my name is Wally West, I'm the Flash, she does it. Yeah. Which, I mean, I, I really figure something like this probably, you know, if, if we're taking the concept of public identity Wally West Flash into the quote-unquote real world, something like this probably does come up fairly often. You know, the obsessive yeah, fan enough- and... We see enough like that with actual celebrities here, right? Oh yeah, there, there's Curtis always somebody that's like, man, you know, <laughs> me and George Clooney, you know, back in the day. It's like, really, yeah. you and George Clooney, like what? He guest starred on Roseanne, and you watched it. He retweeted a tweet you were involved in, or something. Maybe not even him, just his production company, mm-hmm. his publicist. But yeah, no, I actually, in today's, this actually works well today, I thought, because like I said, it fits in very well. We see this all the time online. People get way too obsessed with something. Yeah, and I mean, this is a 10-year-old story in the style of what was then like a 25-year-old story. So, wow, you know, themes are universal. Yeah. Well, that stuff still happened. I mean, it still was then, just obviously... You didn't see people talking about it as much, but I mean, you know, Mark David Chapman came from somewhere. <laughs> That's true. You know, you just, we, we would have seen him talk about Lennon a lot on Twitter if this had happened now. Mm-hmm. I thought it was kind of like a nice little in-between thing for it. You know, it wasn't that, she was not that horrible, you know, not that vicious. No, and she, like I said, she actually becomes a likable character. I said, I really want to see her like in Suicide Squad or something similar. Yeah, she just got a little confused. She was just a little confused. Mm-hmm. She got a little carried away. And plus, I mean, we we've made really good characters out of uh, you know, others in similar situations. I really enjoy Rose and Thorn. I really enjoy when mm-hmm. well, you mentioned Harley. You know. Or, God, I mean, DC is full of characters with uh, not quite all their mentalities. Or the ones that skirt that line. I mean, hey, she even talks about it at the very end, right before they have the kiss, where she's like, I'm Catwoman to your Batman, Maximum to your Superman, Star Sapphire to your Green Lantern. You know, I will reform, backslide, reform again. You'll disappear to a pocket universe. I'll be the one to try and find you. (laughs) Disappear into a pocket universe. <laughs> what? What the hell screams DC more than that? Yeah. But yeah. So overall, yeah. If you like this, if you like Wild West as the Flash, and especially if you liked anything from his original, you know, older series from the, you know, was it eighty seven to like two thousand five or something, ten, whenever it lasted. Yeah, check this out. Yeah, something. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to remember exactly when. 
Wally stopped being the Flash and Bart took over. And well, Barry came back in Final Crisis. So that's like what two thousand nine. Yeah, that sounds about right because there was about about a year or so of um, Jeff Johns writing Barry as Flash before Flashpoint. So then, probably like seven or six was Wally. Yeah. Yeah, because Bart takes over pretty much like right after um, Infinite Crisis, or shortly thereafter. Oh, that's right. Because that's right. Because Bart dies, and they bring Wally's book comes back for like a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, Flash timeline gets Flash timeline gets wonky. Jeez, you know, talk about a generic statement. That's like any comic that lasts for like 40 years. Like, okay, so we have this run, and then it goes to this one, and then it's canceled, and it restarts at this title. Mm. But yeah, folks, I'm with Al. If you're a, a Wally fan, if you're even just a general Flash fan, heck, if you're just an 80s comics fan, this is a fun story. It's well worth picking up. And guess what? It is out there on the DC Universe Infinite what Multiverse, whatever they call it this month app. They're DCU. No, wait, that's the name of Marvel's app. Last I remember, it was like DC Infinite, but then they might be rebranding. Either way, yeah. it, it, you'll probably find it in dollar bins if you're looking for the physical. That's true. And, I mean, since it's like an, an 80... You got two comics in it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's well worth your dollar. Yeah. All righty. So, Al, before you uh, skirt away... Since this is your first chronological appearance on this show, <laughs> after this, but was recorded months earlier, because I am just like that and forgetful, Al gets to take the uh, first appearance on the show quiz that everybody loves. And I'm sure Al knows all the answers. Mostly. All right, so on the Coffee and Comics podcast, we love coffee, but we do also support beverages of choice. So, Al, I have seen your coffee station, but I I still have to ask, what is your beverage of choice? Oh, well, I prefer nice peanut. No, it's uh, (laughs) coffee. I have three different coffee makers. We have the regular drip coffee, regular uh, regular coffee pot. We have the Nespresso, and we have the Keurig. Look at that! This is what it takes, folks. This is how you like move up in the coffee and comics ranks, because and I what... keep. And I'm tempted always when I see one of those uh, French presses to buy one of those. There's there's nothing wrong with a, a little healthy obsession. Some, like we say at my house, some people have you know little bar, you know actual bars. We have a coffee bar. There you go. All right. So moving on. Betty or Veronica? Veronica. So that you can buy more coffee things? Well, that too. She probably has the best coffee. Let's face it. But I'll admit it. I like the bad girls. (laughs) I'll remember that if I ever get to meet your wife. (laughs) <laughs> all right so wolfman perez titans or claremont burn x-men 
I mean, the Wolfman Prize Titans is good, but yeah, in my heart, it's always going to be the Claremont X-Men. That's fair. That was my second book I ever, comic I ever started buying. Oh, wow. Now I gotta know, what's the first? Power Pack. You're part of that Rick Heineken cult. It's where I started reading. That's the first book I bought. I was interested <laughs> enough to buy, look for other issues. Well, no, no, no. That makes sense. You were a kid. They were kids. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, which comic book character or series is most in need of an animated or live action adaptation? That's a, that's always hard to figure because they're always doing new ones, and there's so many of them already. That is a pain. I forgot about that one. Give me a second. Because, you know, Dan Marble was doing everything. I can't say Moon Knight. That's coming out. <laughs> you can't even say something like, what if? Oh, I know what they need to do. I mean, he's appeared before. But honestly, do a kid's Peter Porker series. That would be awesome. Get that awesome. on Disney Plus. A bunch of like little shorts, kind of like the uh, even just long, like just short things, like the Doug Days, the ones they have of the dog from Up. Mm-hmm. Okay, villain most in need of decaf. Is it cliche if I say Thanos? <laughs> well, you know, most people don't say Thanos, so. Oh, okay, good. Then Thanos. Yeah, we'll just say you're on brand. I'm on brand. There we go. That's good. Yeah, he definitely needs some decaf. And, you know, some therapy and maybe also, you know, just to relax for five minutes. <laughs> All right. So who is the best super pet? The best super pet? I mean, I don't know. That's hard to say. It's either Crypto or Lockjaw. Lockjaw. Both are awesome. Yeah, Lockjaw can get you. Yeah. Well, so can Crypto, but he just has to, like, pick you up by your shirt and fly you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but Lockjaw, plus Lockjaw, you know, if you get tired, you just ride on top of Lockjaw. <laughs> That's true. The only problem is feeding. You know how much kibble you got to go through with Lockjaw? Yeah, not. let's go with Lockjaw. Yeah. Now you got me He's thinking, a... like, man, you know, teleportation probably burns calories, too, so. I guess you just take him to places, get, you know, food in the wild for him. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with Lockjaw. He's a good boy. Much as Black Bolt does not speak. <laughs> Which is a lot. Mm. Alrighty, so can Mighty Mouse beat up the George Reeves Superman? How can he beat up Superman? Superman's a real guy. It's <laughs> a um, cartoon. Think, man. Suppose you're right. Be a good fight, though. <laughs> it would. Well, it depends which Mighty Mouse. Are we talking about the actual Mighty Mouse, or are we just talking about, um... You know, it really screws up your jokes when you forget the name you're trying to use. (laughs) (laughs) So it depends. Oh, yeah, now I got it. Is it actually Mighty Mouse, or is it just Andy Kaufman dressed up like Mighty Mouse? (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Uh, well... Because as Andy Kaufman, I don't. I think you know Superman's got it's got it locked. (laughs) (laughs) 
He would just look like that scene from Spaceballs. What are you doing? The Vulcan neck pinch? (laughs) Alrighty, and now for everybody's favorite tough question. Uh, Who am I kidding? Betty and Veronica is the tough question. So, would you prefer that comics are very cheap, but Doctor Doom has a grudge against you, or comics are highly expensive, but Doctor Doom owes you a favor? Very cheap. Because here's the reasoning for that. Doom, his ego. That's the thing that's, the. I mean, let's face it, that's the overwhelming thing about Doom. When Doom owes you a favor, that bothers Doom. He's either he's going to try and figure some way out of it or to work around it. And I don't know. I can't always trust that him wanting to deal with it is going to be in my benefit. But if Doom has a grudge against me, you know what? That's fine. Because I'm lower on the list. Okay. <laughs> First, he's got to kill Richards. Yeah. And then Storm. And no, probably Grimm. And then Storm. And maybe Sue, possibly Franklin, and then the X-Men, and then the event, Captain America. You know what I mean? Like, there's a list. There's a long list. <laughs> I'm down at the bottom. I am his least concern. You know, I'm like on the list where Doom's like, and I'm going to destroy this section of the, uh, this section of the country. Oh, let's see who else is on, let's see who else is in there. Oh, great. I got like another 20 people off the list done. Cool. But he's not <laughs> planning it for them. It's a plan to get Richards. You know, that's going to happen no matter whether I live there or not. So I figure I'm safer that way. I got time. You know, if he kills the FF and the Avengers and the X-Men and the Defenders and the Imperial Guard and Galactus and Thanos and Arcade and whoever else he is pissed off at, then I'm worried. So what you're saying is you've thought this through. (laughs) No, just a little bit, just a little bit. Oh, that this alone was well worth it. This is what happens when I'm not I'm not occupied. My mind wanders. All right. So, <laughs> thank you, Al. That was very entertaining. Uh, I try. All right. Well, before we wrap up, do let people know where they can find you online and other shows. Sure. You can find me at two places right now. My main my show is Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, and it's obviously about. Adam Warlock and Thanos, the Marvel characters. Uh, it's right in the name. Uh, just go on Twitter podcatchers, type in Adam Warlock or Thanos. We're pretty much the only thing that pops up as a show. Uh, or Twitter, at Adam Thanos Pod. Links for the shows are in there. And, of course, you also, like I mentioned before, um, I think I mentioned before, I am also on the L-E-G-I-O-N P-O-D cast, in which we talk about the DC, late 80s, early 90s DC sci-fi series, Legion. Not Legion Superheroes, the one with the acronym and Lobo in it. <laughs> and you can find that one on the Legion of Substitute Podcasters feed. Or just go to the my Twitter I mentioned before. I post the episodes there, too. And short version, folks. Al really likes Lobo. He's actually a lot of fun. Yeah, don't, even if you're a Lobo hater, don't don't let that dissuade you from listening because... Trust me, it'll be worth it. And you might even get your mind changed. Hey, the early 80s, that late, that late 90, early 90s Lobo is very much still the parody. It's great. He's still a parody of all that stuff, so it's funny as hell. A parody of stuff before he becomes a parody of himself. 
<laughs> before he becomes a thing. <laughs> yeah, before he actually becomes a thing, he's parodying. Yep. He looked into the abyss. The abyss and turned into it. Really? Because I thought you were going to say he looked into the abyss and the abyss said frag. <laughs> it's Lobo. He looked into the abyss and then, you know, spitting it. <laughs> oh, well, all right, folks. Once again, Al, thank you so much for joining me. And we'll take a little bit of a break here and I'll be back with some listener feedback and a little clue as to what's coming later in the year. Tell me his name again. Thanos. I think I shall call him... Adam. But return to me again empty-handed, and I will bathe the starways in your blood. Thanks, Dad. Sounds fair. Korvac's power grows, as does his madness. He would have destroyed us all had I not pulled us into the soul gem. Then Thanos, I'm coming for you. After Xandar, you were going to kill my father? You dare to oppose me? You see what he has turned me into? You kill him, I will help you destroy a thousand planets. It's all right, Adam. We're here to help. Just stay cool. To be here! Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. Five years and going strong. Every other week, mostly. For all of your Adam Warlock, Thanos, or Marvel Cosmic needs. Find it on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever else podcasts are available. Resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com Adam Warlock, you cannot keep leaving your philosophy books open on the floor. I always trip on them in the middle of the night on my way to the can. Hey, welcome back. This is, of course, the feedback portion of the show, where I get to thank all you lovely listeners for doing your part and spreading word about the show. All right, so last episode, which was an interview with the guys from The Bardic Verses. Got likes, shares, retweets, all that fun stuff from Midnight Matt Sumo, Seventh Law, Gregory Litchfield, Fritz Freakenstein, Pete Collins, Warlock Thanos Podcast. Hey, I kind of think I know that guy. J.L. Collins, Professor Frenzy, Martin Gray, Adam Stabelli, Charlton Hero, Billy Delicious, Longbox Crusade, Mike Garvey, Secret Wars and Beyond, Chris at BTO and Bat Books, Paul DeBetta, Pat Sampson, and Ruth and Darren Sutherland. If I missed anybody, do please let me know. I'll fix it in a future episode. And normally this is where I would read out the feedback, but there was no direct feedback on this last episode. So I guess that just means everybody went out and backed the Kickstarter and had a jolly good time sitting around waiting for their copy of the Bardic Verses. Alright, so since I've run a little long this episode anyway, I'm going to wrap it up. Oh, 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 no, I'm not. I promised you a teaser about what's coming up. So, as you know, holiday season is quickly approaching. And... In December, you will get not one, not two, not three, but 
four, that's right, four episodes of the Coffee and Comics podcast. I am going to bring in some holiday guests, and we are going to look at, guess what? Yeah, I'm actually going to tell you what we're looking at ahead of time. It's a Marvel holiday special cover dated 1993. So, yeah, get ready for that. We are going to look at all of the little stories in that book. There are eight of them, folks, so you know what that means. That's two per episode. That's right. It's coffee and comics all December long, leading up to Christmas. So, get ready for that one, folks. I hope you're looking forward to it as much as I am, because guess what? It was a lot of fun to record. Alrighty, so that wraps this one up. And I will see you in December with, as I said, not one, not two, not three, but four episodes. So until next time, this is the podcast where the comics are never too old and the coffee is never too cold. This has been a Coffee and Comics production. All material referenced herein is copyright the respective owners and is believed covered under fair use. Feedback can be left by emailing coffeeandcomicspodcast at gmail.com, visiting the website at coffeeandcomicspodcast.blogspot.com, or on Twitter at coffeecomicsblg. Thank <laughs> you.